You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode 464. I'm your host, Tricky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, it's Alex. It wouldn't be an episode of Trophy Wars if we didn't have to reboot two separate computers for two separate people before we start a damn show. <laughs> he brings the awesome every week. It's I Yield to No One. I'm going through Facebook answering the questions. I don't even... Oh, I, okay. He's, he, there's probably questions from from the the listeners, the the Trophy Horse Nation. I'm assuming he's prepping yes. early. Yes. And we have a special guest. He always brings the knowledge. It's Mr. Jeff Hanna. How you doing, sir? Uh, I am enjoying some really good leftover fried chicken right about now. Well, that's good. You enjoying mm-hmm. anything else? Uh, uh, and some sake. Some sake. Yeah. And and Jeff was lamenting earlier that he didn't have any sushi to pair with his sake. I don't. I don't have the raw fish tonight. I don't know why anybody would eat sushi, but that's a whole other story. It's delicious. That's why. That's why. Wait, Tricky, you do realize there's also cooked sushi, right? There's also deep fried sushi. Uh huh. Oh, some shrimp tempura. Okay. Now, I, this may be a little ignorance, but I thought sushi was the definition of sushi was uncooked fish or raw fish. Nope. No, actually, I think that's the sashimi portion of it. No, sushi can be cooked. Like, you don't eat the eel raw. The eel is is very teriyaki cooked. It's 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 really good. Very fatty. Oh, yeah. Like the fried chicken that I have right here. Wait, Tricky, did we just change your mind on sushi now that you've learned that some of it can be cooked and deep fried? No, because I don't do seafood at all. Not uh, even like popcorn shrimp? Negative. You don't like peanut butter on waffles and pancakes. You don't Wait. like popcorn shrimp. Tricky, what do you eat? Uh, pizza. That's, no, that be, you don't. No. You don't, though. You you eat that, that flat thing with tomato sauce that they make in New York. <laughs> See, I, 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 I said that on perfect because I knew Jeff was going to make a comment. That is not pizza. What? what you eat in New York is not pizza? No. What Jeff is talking about is a freaking casserole. It's not pizza. John Stewart said it perfectly. I don't want to get yeah, drunk like, like, and pass out and drown in my casserole dish. It has a slice of sausage the size of the pizza in it. I'm not having this debate with you guys. Because you're going to lose. You're you're not attacking a New York staple of pizza. Next, you're going to go after the bagels. Uh, My brother makes bagels in Seattle. They're good. Coast Uh, to coast, tricky. Okay, maybe. I'm not saying they're bad, but it's nothing compared to a New York bagel. He does a sea salt cranberry that is to die for. I'll have to try it out one time when I go out there for PAX West. I like that uh, the tricky thinks that all of the best chefs and only the best chefs reside in New York. No, 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 no. There, there's certain areas that I will say have better, you know, better, better foods are made in different places. But when it comes to New York, pizza is number one, and the bagels are top notch. 
Well, let me let me ask you: How many different places in the world have you had pizza? Um, seven. You actually came up with an exact answer. Either that, or you pulled it out of your ass. I'm surprised. No, because I just counted every state I've ever been in, and I've tried pizza in every state. Can I tell you where I've had the best pizza ever? If you tell me Italy, I'm gonna cry. No. Okay. China. Really? Where, where it's originally from? I. I, one of my one of my volition outsourcing trips to China. I think my last one. Um, a friend of mine from college, her husband ran the Michigan the the Michelin tire plant. I was in Shanghai. The town they were in was about sixty miles northwest of Beijing, and I was there for two weeks. And so they flew me up over the weekend. And the first night I was there, they took me to this Canadian expats pizza place. And it was quite literally the best pizza I have ever had. This Canadian expat in in the hinterlands outside of Beijing made some killer pizza. If I ever make it out there, I will try the pizza. All right. Uh, So... uh... First thing, saying obviously, you know, Jeff's going to be on the show, so the knowledge is going to be brought, which is always a good thing with, when we have Jeff Wait, on the we show. We didn't invite him on just to talk about pizza and sushi. No, I, uh, no, I was, I was playing, I was, I was enjoying my sake and playing control, and Tricky's like, "Man, you know, my my subscriber numbers are going down, and they always they always spike when you're on the show. Could you help me out?" That's, so that's, I gave him my Venmo that, address. You know, that sounds like him. That's exactly what I said. Uh, also, that sounds like our show, too. Also, uh, as the listeners should know, hockey season's back, so if you occasionally hear a big-ass horn going off, that means the Rangers have scored. And yes, You won't hear it at all. Oh. <laughs> you know what? You're probably not wrong there. Uh, but the Rangers are playing the Peng- Penguins right now, and I'm watching the TV off to the side, so I'm going to be slightly distracted, but I'm going to focus on the show. But if you hear a big-ass horn, that means the Rangers scored, and then you can hear, you'll do this. I hate you, Yield. I really hate you. What do you think I am? Some kind of animal that does stuff on command? Dangle a little treat in front of me, and I'm going I'm to bark? Oh, I thought the Rangers just scored. I was about to say, you better do it now. All right, so let's do our updated trophy count. I am level 603, total trophies of 13,708 with 250 Platinums. Alex? Level 439 with a total trophy count of 7,144 and a Platinum count of 108 in 107 games. Yield? Newly minted 433 with a trophy count of 6,903. And a nice shiny new platinum of one thirteen. What's your new platinum, sir? Ghost of Tsushima. God bless you. And Sid is level five eleven with total trophies of ten thousand seventy seven with one hundred and seventy three plats. Jeff, numbers are arbitrary and imaginary. <laughs> okay, so let's get into what play, Jeff. What have you been playing? Uh, I just recently finished the latest DLC to Graveyard Keeper, Game of Crones. At least I think I finished it. The previous DLCs have had more of a finale. Um, I have been still playing Sea of Thieves. I am trying my best to get through Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, What chapter are you, Alan? uh, I just got through the, hey, we're going to throw a shipwreck in a year washed up in Cuba chapter, which I, I don't want in my cowboy game. 
Yeah, that was kind of a, a. I mean, luckily it's a short chapter, but it was kind of a waste. Yeah, and then I I, I got back and now I have the I got the disease, um, which is that the scurvy? No, no, I got the turb. I got the tuberculosis. I mean, you know that your character going into it, if you've played Red Dead Redemption, you know your character in Red Dead Redemption Two is gonna take the dirt nap by the end of the game because in Red Dead Redemption 1 you hunt down the gang from Red Dead Redemption 2 and kill them all and you don't run across the character from Red Dead Redemption 2 in the original Red Dead Redemption so you know going into it something's going to happen so clearly getting the turb is is the way out for the for the story writer on this game man of all the ways that a video game character has gone out in history like tuberculosis is is this one it seems, seems like a little bit of a, I don't know, like kind of like a, a, a bland way to go out. It, well, I'm hoping maybe I go out in a blaze of glory because I've got the tuberculosis. I don't know. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm poking around, and this isn't quite New Orleans. Uh, and, but I just, I don't know. I'm having trouble with that game. It doesn't, the original RDR, I shouldn't say the original because the original is Red Dead Revolver. Um, but RDR is one of my most favorite games ever like i love that world and i love that i know where i am in that world it can get from point a to point b without looking at the map and rdr2 just didn't they they fussed with the formula a bit too much i think and it just didn't grab me so we're talking uh, anchorman is, anchorman 2 right yeah yeah like i don't need to i don't need to eat to keep my cores up because if my cores aren't full then my health regen doesn't happen like there's just two and i don't need to I don't need to brush my horse to make it happy so it runs faster. Like these are things that, yeah, okay, it's an interesting mechanic, but overall, it just it's all this stuff that just removes me from the core game loop, and I just didn't care for it. Well, that's kind of what they did with Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, where like you had to eat to live, and it's like, yes, I have to do this in real life, but is it actually taking away and like you had to work out and all this stuff? Right. Is it taking away from the actual part of the game I want to play? Right. But I did like in San Andreas they made it funny because if you just ate donuts all the time and never worked out, your gang would start to make comments about how fat you were getting. Um, and they weren't nice comments. But, yeah, it's just like there's there's a balance in an open-world game between gameplay and verisimilitude. And I just feel like this the needle swung a bit too far on RDR2. Um, so that, and then I've been playing Control. Um, I started that on the Xbox because it was on Game Pass, and I just, I don't know, I didn't get into it that much, and then I saw today that it was on PC, or I saw last night that it was on PC Game Pass, so I installed it, and I'm enjoying it a lot more, and I think it's because for those types of games, I tend to gravitate to keyboard mouse more than controller. I think it's just an input system problem with me. Like, everything, like, control, like, in the lead-up to the release of that game... Like it was, it looked really promising. It looked like a game that I would love to play. And then as the game came out, I heard like more and more negative about it. Not that it's a terrible game, but it was disappointing. And I wonder how much of that has to do with like playing the game with a controller. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of keyboard shortcuts. And one thing, I don't know if this is a bug or if I'm doing something wrong, but it defaults to toggle sprint which I'm not into. I'm into hold the key to sprint, and I keep setting it in the controls to switch it to hold the sprint, and it keeps flipping back to toggle the sprint, and it's just one of those little minor things that's just kind of bugging me in the back of my mind. 
about it. So I don't know. Is but it I'm also pretty far into the game now because it was a weekend and I had nothing else to do. So I've been playing the crap out of it. Is there a set in the in the actual game the way you could that's turning it back on? Yeah, it seems to be flipping back to the toggle versus the hold. That's weird. It is weird. All right, uh, Alex, what have you been playing, sir? Well, jump back into some Pokemon Shield because they had their Year of the Ox event this past weekend, so there was a boosted chance of encountering a shiny Tauros in the Raid Den, so had to go collect my shiny. Then also I finished, I mopped up the new game plus on ghost of tsushima and got my trophy for that and by the next time you hear me i will have jumped into the legends mode to see what that's all about but yield i'm i'm curious you uh you mentioned that you uh platinum ghost of tsushima so you, you finished the game like what, what are your general thoughts about it because i know that you really were enjoying it like how did you feel by the end of the game I liked the game. I thought the story was really good. I liked the, the fact that the side missions didn't feel like side missions. They felt like a story within the story. So, Well, if you go back and play New Game Plus and you're trying to get the, the trophy where you just complete all of Jin's journey missions, it's yeah. a surprisingly short game. So, I mean, a lot of the Tales of Tsushima, like, they definitely help beef it up. But like you said, they almost feel like main story missions instead of side missions. Because uh, yeah. I was, I was going to say, you said you beat the New Game Plus. I was like, that's pretty damn quick for you. So yeah, I mean, it could have been that long. Pro he probably just focused on the story missions. Yeah, <clears throat> like the the main story missions, Jin's journey. That's all you have to beat. You don't have to, you know, get all the collectibles. You have to do that. So if you're just doing those core missions, like it's it, you know, you can get through the game easily in less than a week. But all the other missions and the collectibles and everything, and just exploring the world, that's what's gonna, you know, by first playthrough is 50, 60 hours. So that's what you what's gonna get you at that point. All right, uh, yield. What else besides uh, Ghost of Tsushima? Well. I'm starting now. Alex was going. Oh, I I, I finished talking, Yield. That's why I tried to transition. Ah, okay, <laughs> I got you now. I got you. Well, Tricky's making it sound like I was going on for a while. I'm like, I had no, 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 no. You said you Shishima. got the you said you got the platinum. That's why I said what else you've been playing. So, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, Rocket League, World of Warship Legends, Just Cause Three, and uh, at my buddy's house the other night, we were uh, playing Just Cause Four. Just Cause 3 is the best Just Cause. Absolutely. We'll not disagree with that. Although I do like, for Just Cause 4, I do like the some of the weapon options, how they have secondaries. I think that's pretty cool. But other than that, as a whole, Just Cause 3 is way better than 4. The world building is 3 is better. The not having that weird metagame of moving your army pieces around to advance the front. Again, an interesting game mechanic, but distracting me from the core game loop of what a Just Cause is. Which is, I'm a singular dude running around causing mayhem. Oh, absolutely. Um, I When the game came out, right out a year after the first one, I was worried that it wouldn't be up to par. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still enjoyable, but you're right. The third one is a far better gaming experience. Uh, I was playing the third one, and I had some sort of Volvo 1800-esque slash early uh, Aston Martin type of car, and I'm just tearing through the countryside, and I just come over this hill, and it's just like a field of wheat on one side and a coastline on the other. And I'm like, I'm playing every 60s James Bond game that ever should have been made right now. It was yeah. just gorgeous. Did, did you did you sail off into the 
We don't get into my driving skills in Okay. Game. All right, I got you. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean you, you said you came, you know, with Hall to the countryside. I when you went up and over the hill, you may have went either into the hay or into the wheat field or off into the coastline. I appreciate that Rico has an unlimited number of parachutes on his back. Let's put it that <laughs> uh, We heard you, Tricky. Uh, okay, thank you. Twice. I, was, I was just trying to see because uh, the gold horn went, went off and it didn't spike. So I was like, is my microphone working? <laughs> you guys didn't hear the gold horn, right? I heard did. It. it went off in error, though, I believe. No, no, it went off. Uh, Rangers are now up one nothing. All right, so I have been playing. Oh, I'm sorry, Yield, are you done? Yes, that was it. Okay. Uh, I have been playing uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales because of due to a uh, controversy in the Facebook pages. So I'm having to replay it. So, so, so you're beating it a third time? I'm actually beating it a fifth time. So wait, are you going to get credit for that? Because you've already beaten it. But you're, you're beat, you, it'll count this time because you haven't gotten a point for it before. I, I don't want to go into the details of it, but uh, due to an unfortunate uh, situation, uh, if you guys remember back in November when I got my PS5, I talked about how Spider-Man uh, auto-pop trophies. So... Due to a controversy, when I when I beat it on the PS5 this time, because the trophy for beating it was already unlocked through the auto pop back in November, somebody said somebody's making a big deal saying that I didn't beat the game and that uh, the auto pop shows I beat it in November. So and then I argued back and forth saying, well, in order to get the platinum, I have to beat it again on New Game Plus. So I had to have beaten it again to get the platinum. It's a whole bit of controversy, so now I'm playing the whole entire game on stream, so nobody can't say that I didn't beat it. Are you remember when, remember when Jeff said numbers are arbitrary? I think that he he that was foreshadowing to, to this argument. Uh, so I yeah, literally playing it again on stream. I was doing that all day today. It's uh, part of the reasons why I didn't get sleep and I almost missed the show. Uh, the other thing I'm playing is... Are you, wait, are you playing as the trash can, the park bench, or the streetlight? You know all those glitches. I have not. I've never gotten any of those glitches. I don't know what that's happened, but yes, there, there's apparently glitches where Spider-Man turns into every one of those objects. I and a friend of mine had to point. A developer friend of mine had to point this out to me. Those glitches underscore something really amazing about that game, which is the footprints you leave in the snow okay. and the shadow you cast is directly related to whatever shape you actually are they're not predetermined like a lot of games you would they would just do footprint footprints foot like human foot footprints in the snow if you get to be like the trash can because you glitch out in in miles morales you leave trash can space imprints in the snow as a trash can and your shadow is cast as a trash can not as well the character always has this default hidden shadow caster geometry we use so it's still going to cast a human shadow regardless of what the player skin might might glitch into that's how detailed that game actually is which i love that's pretty awesome actually <laughs> yeah yeah um also playing division two uh i didn't put it in the agenda but apparently uh division two and uh resident evil are having a crossover event which i thought was pretty cool uh for the Backlog, I've uh, finished beating the Mortals Phoenix Rise. I think I said that last week. Um, and now I'm going for the Platinum for that. And I'm also just finished up LEGO DC Super Villains. Because you guys know I like my LEGO games. 
And I'm also playing uh, Devious Dungeons. I should have that wrapped up uh, probably today or tomorrow. So, all right. So let's get into our topics. Uh, first topic we have is Sony executive behind services like PlayStation Plus is leaving SIE for another position within the role or within the company. This article is coming from not IGN, Alex. I'm shocked. <laughs> it's coming from PlayStationLifestyle.net and is written by Zarmina Khan. Uh, the article reads, Sony veteran uh, Kodera. I can't pronounce his first name. You want to say his first name, Alex? Well, here, let me pull the article up. Shuyoshi? Tuyoshi? I don't know. Shuyoshi? Hold on, keep, keep going and I'll, I'll get back with you. Uh, he's leaving his position as Deputy President at Sony Interactive Entertainment for a different role within the corporation. According to the press release spotted by Video Games Chronicle, effective April 1st, Kodera will be in charge of the digital transformation strategy, information systems, and information security. He will report to Hiroki Todoki, Executive Deputy President and CFO, and Representative Quarter, Corporate Executive Officer. I hate Japanese names. Uh, Codera has spent over 30 years at Sony. Uh, he has helped oversee the launch of several online services, including the PlayStation Store, PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Now, PlayStation Video, and PlayStation Music. And in 2017, when the then-executive Andrew House stepped down, Codera was named president and CEO of SIE, a position currently held by Jim Ryan. I would say that Suyoshi is, well, that's the best guess that I could give as well. All right. So... Uh, congratulations to him for, you know, staying with the company and moving on. All right. So now, Jeff, this is one of the main reasons why we wanted to have you on the show for the last couple of weeks. I'm sure you know about all the news coming out about Cyberpunk 2077. Is there news still coming out or is it all come out? Oh, no, it's still coming out. Oh. Uh, this, this article is coming from IGN and is written by Adam Bankhurst. Uh, CG Project Red has officially released patch 1.1 for Cyberpunk 2077 on PC, consoles, and Stadia. As detailed by Cyberpunk.net, this, update, this update's big focus is on stability improvements. As noted on Twitter, this update, quote, lays the groundwork for upcoming patches, end quote. Memory usage improvements in various systems within the games are part of this patch and should improve characters, interactions, navigation, in-game videos, foliage, laser effects, minimap, devices, AI, street traffic, environmental damage system, GPU-related, and more. There have also been various, uh, var various crash fixes related to, among others, load-in saves, game opening and closing, and point of no return. So, if you guys are looking for the patch, the patch notes are IGN. I am not reading all these patch notes because there are a shitload of them. All right. The next thing we have, uh, we were talking about how they were, uh, CG Project Red was getting sued. Well, apparently a second lawsuit has now been filed. Uh, this article is also coming from IGN and is written by Matt Perslow. A second class action lawsuit has been filed against CG Project, uh, Cyberpunk 27 developer and publisher CG Project, submitted by a law firm representing the studio's investors. CD Project itself states in a regulatory announcement it has received the lawsuit and has been filed in the U.S. District Court of the Central District of California on behalf of investors. The content of the claim is, is said to be the same as the one filed against the studio at the end of the last year. That first lawsuit claims the investors 
claims the investors were misled about the performance of Cyberpunk on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 consoles. All right, there's more to this, but basically it's just rehashing what else has been said. So, Jeff, uh, I'm going to give you the four for a minute because you are, uh, as far as our listeners goes, you're the voice that nobody's heard yet about this. What are your total thoughts about everything going on with Cyberpunk right now? I... I, I I read I forget where I read it, but I read something in the past week or two about how the production level staff, the producers at CD Projekt Red, uh, which I'm going to just say CDPR now because saying CD Projekt Red takes a lot of time, um, that they were of the mind of well, you know, on The Witcher Three, everything came together at the last minute, and the same was true for Witcher Two and Witcher One. So, you know what, that's going to happen on this game also. And like Bioware, it's, it's, there have been stories about how Bioware is always, like the, the people who work at Bioware are always like, oh yeah, there's the Bioware magic, which means it doesn't matter how bad of a state the game is in during development, it'll all come, out, it'll all come together at the last moment. Um, Mass Effect Andromeda is the rule-breaking game in that regard. And you can't take that crap for granted. Um, you can't you can't be like well Witcher three worked so it doesn't matter what the state of the current game we're making on is it's going to work too because we tend to all gloss over the bad parts much more quickly in our mind than we gloss over the good parts um, and that 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 thinking of well it's it's just going to work out so just keep going pre diminishes the bad parts. And so then you're not paying attention to the things that you should be paying attention to. And I don't know how many developers inside of CDPR were were raising their hands and going, this isn't right, this isn't going to work. But it certainly sounds to me like they were banking too much on, well, we've had a couple of successful games, so that means everything we can do will be successful. And that's a dangerous dangerous mindset to take in any creative industry, especially one as finicky as game development. All right. So now I want to ask you a question, but before I ask you a question, uh, I just want to state for the record, you have no inside information about this or, or see what's going on with cyberpunk. This is just, you know, your personal opinion. It's like you don't have any inside information, correct? Yeah. I have zero inside information. Full disclosure. I have mentored one CD project red employee on a GDC talk. That was probably four years ago now. Um, but I don't actually have any direct line of communication into that company. I don't have any, what I would call industry colleagues or friends inside of that company. I don't have any information other than the same public information that everyone else gets. Okay. So now when I, I want, when I ask you this question, because one of the rumors is is the reason why the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox X versions are so bad is because, and this is the rumor, that halfway through production, they started focusing on the next gen with the PlayStation 5 and the Series X versions, and they didn't do Q&A, and that the reason why the, the last gen versions are doing so bad is because they actually released the next-gen versions for the last-gen consoles, and the last-gen consoles can't keep up with the memory rendering everything properly and all that stuff. Does that sound viable, or does that sound believable, or is that just total horseshit? It certainly sounds it sounds believable to me. Um, 
and only because historically, uh, I remember, I mean, I, I worked entirely in the PC space uh, doing massively multiplayer online games before I came to Volition 14 and a half years ago now. I'd never done a console game before I came to Volition. And in the PC space, it's very easy for the developers to always request the latest and greatest hardware for the developer machine, which is a dangerous road to go down because then you're writing for the the, the super minority percentage of hardware that's going to be out there. Um, one of the things about MMO development, and this is true at Kesmai where I started my career, and uh, Mythic, where I worked on some of the Dark Age of Camelot expansions, uh, they always intentionally targeted at least one shader model and at least one or two generations of graphics cards less than the mainstream. This is before you could just go to Steam and get the PC survey and see where the bell curve was. But they intentionally would hobble the releases to make sure that they were in the center of that bell curve as best as they could figure out to maximize the player base. Because the second you start going too far to the right side of the bell curve, you start limiting the people on the left side of the bell curve and you want those players. And now if everyone at CD Projekt Red had high-end PCs and they all had Xbox Series X development kits, and I'm this is total conjecture on my part, I could see that happening. And then somebody being, well, you know what? The Series X pretty much has the same programming API as the one, so this we could we're just going to assume that the one is eighty percent of the Series X, um, and the same is I don't I don't know whether or not the PlayStation 5's programming libraries are the same as the PS4. I'm assuming they are. Um, you can see this you can see this very well in the original Saints Row. Um, the original Saints Row on the Xbox 360 has a problem where if you're driving at high speed and you cross a zone boundary in the open world, occasionally, more often than we would probably like, the car will disappear and your character will just sit there stationary in the car driving position, hovering over the ground for upwards of 10 seconds before the next zone streams in and the car reappears. And then you keep going. And one of the reasons for that is, is that when Volition was working on the original Xbox, the original Saints Row, there wasn't final Xbox 360 hardware um, until very late in the game. And so the game is based off of CD-ROM read emulation estimates that Microsoft provided. And it turns out that the real CDR drive in the Xbox 360 reads slightly slower than what the numbers they that we were provided were. And so the game is predicting that data is going to stream it at a faster rate than it actually does. And that's what causes the hitch. And so there's you can get really in the weeds making these numerical assumptions, but not actually testing. And that's one of the reasons I really love the fact that at Volition, and I'm not speaking for CD Projekt Red, they may do this, I don't know, but whenever a new project starts, you are randomly assigned what dev kit you're going to get. Um, as many people who listen to this podcast know, during the development of Saints Row 3, 4, and probably through AOM, uh, I had a PS4 dev kit on my 
on my desk at work. That's one of the reasons I actually have negative one trophies was because <laughs> one night I was waiting for something to happen. I, I was waiting for a build to clear. Uh, and I kicked my PS4 dev kit over to retail mode and started playing Uncharted. And then I had to kick my, and I got a trophy. Uh, try as I might to not get one, I actually got a trophy. Uh, <laughs> and then I had to put the PS4 dev kit back into dev mode so that I could work on what I was waiting on. And that, like, so my trophy kind of went away. And that's why we jokingly say I have negative one trophies. But I now have, and I've had for a couple of years now, I have an Xbox One dev kit on my desk at work. And yeah, I will tell you, in the past year, I haven't even used it um, because I've been working more on tools. We can get to the kits remotely since everyone's still work at home, um, but I haven't actually touched it. But half of the people, and everybody who does content at Volition, programming, art, design, sound, they all have a dev kit on their desk. Pretty much half of us have a PlayStation and half of us have an Xbox. And the expectation is, is that by spreading that out amongst the company, you're going to get more reports of, well, the build, is, the build isn't working so well on the Xbox dev kits right now, so let's figure out what's going on with that. Oh, okay, we solved that, but now two weeks later, now the build isn't working so well on the PlayStation dev kits. Let's figure out why that is. And then some people are also testing on, P, like not QA, because they're doing everything, but devs are also testing, almost all of us are always testing on the PC build because you, you just for convenience, you get the build running first on your computer to make sure everything's working right. And then you push the, the console build to your dev kit and you test some stuff there. But we generally make sure that we're constantly cycling through all three of our targets to make sure no problem ever crops up. And if it does, we get to it as soon as possible. If you don't do that, if you just say, well, we're just gonna work on the PC and at the end of the day, we'll just make the, the platform ports off of that because we can just do that in a build process, you're gonna have problems. And I, it feels, and again, my personal opinion, it feels to me like maybe CD Projekt Red was focused too much on the new consoles to the detriment of the now last generation consoles, which is kind of short-sighted right now in my mind because it's always interesting to want to make a, cons a new generation console seller, but right now the numbers are in the last gen. There are far more PS4s and Xbox Ones out there than there are Series Xs and PS5s. So it's a very short-sighted move in my mind. All right, so I have, I have a quick follow-up. If, if it is true that the, the reason these games are having the pro the, the the last gen versions are having the problems with the memory is it recoverable on a on a technical or is it they just gonna have to rework the whole entire thing and release another version of this it, everything's recoverable it's all a matter of degrees i mean look at how much no man's sky which is kind of the current touchstone for this problem look at how much no man's sky was promoted and all of the things that they promised in the year or so leading up to release. Heck, the owner of the company was on the Stephen Colbert show pushing the game. Correct. <laughs> and it came out and it had nothing that they promised. And it was a real pariah in the industry. And it was a real pariah with the public. And Hello Games has worked on that thing now for two years post-release. And No Man's Sky now is a super compelling game with a lot of content in it and they really came back from that it's 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 not an easy thing to do for sure memory problems are addressable i mean uh, if it, it 
a lot of it is going to come down to what memory is being starved. Is it video memory or is it system memory? If it's video memory, you can do the super awful, well, we're just going to crank down all the texture resolution by half and we're going to we're going to crank down all the models to the first LOD distance, right? And boom, you cut off the high end, you're probably going to hit your memory targets. Is the game going to look as good as you want it to? No. Um, so it, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of surgical planning to do that type of stuff, but it's not an insurmountable task. It could be a big patch at the end of the day. It could be a big out of pocket expense for CD Projekt Red to get those title updates across the board on those platforms. Um, there's a lot of goodwill that's been burned with the platform holders, I think right now. And so there's going to be a lot of negotiations in that regard. Again, my opinion, um, but it's if they're interested in making sure that those games actually succeed on all of the platforms, they can do it. They can. It's 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 not going to be fun, but they can do it. All Jeff, right. I, I had a question in regards to like, and, and just if you could give any insight into the refunds, like how like when you put a game on the playstation store or the x uh, xbox live marketplace mm-hmm. i'm assuming it's like i don't know if there's a fee to have it hosted on their store or if it's just like hey host your game here and then we get a cut of the sales to microsoft or sony and pretty then sure it's, it's the latter pretty okay. sure it's, it's percentage based like steam takes a percentage epic epic game store takes a percentage it's that's that's a typical retail Situation. I, I am not involved in that level. Um, very few people at Volition are involved in that level. That's going to be the Deep Silver or the THQ Nordic level of things. Um, I know that in the days when we still were mostly focused on physical retail, you paid GameStop. GameStop's going to put your game on the shelf because they want to sell copies of it. But if you wanted prime placement, if you wanted the end cap, or if you wanted the posters all over the GameStop pushing your game, you pay for that. And that's not, I mean, I'm using GameStop as as an example for all retailers, but you struck a deal and paid marketing money for the prime space in the store. But overall, just having your game in the store, that's a much easier negotiation between the publisher and the distributor. So, like, I mean, I know that digital refunds are particularly, like, new ground, and you you may have never dealt with this, especially on the scale of what CD Projekt Red is going through right now, because this is probably new territory for everyone. But I didn't know if you had any insight on how the refund process works. If it's, like, you know, if, if, you know, X number of people request a refund, if, like, how Sony handles that and how CD Projekt Red handle that is, like, does CD Projekt Red say, oh, we'll just Venmo you this much money? I that, I say that jokingly, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm assuming it's probably fairly different across the digital retail space. What's it been like a half a decade now or so, where Steam has that you've got 24 hours clock time, not 24 hour game. You've got two hour game time or 24 hour clock time or something where you can request a refund for a game and they'll just give you your money back. Now, on, on an individual by individual basis, it, it is probably that the developer doesn't even know that's occurring because I'm guessing that the, the short time span there is because you buy a game on Steam, the developer doesn't see the money the second you pay. Steam gets the money the second you pay, but I'm sure because of billing and logistics and banking that they issue the their money back to the developers weekly or monthly or somewhere more in in a in a in a bigger chunk 
than each individual transaction because you're going to pay wire transfer fees, you're going to pay credit card transfer fees. There's all sorts of things that you want to mitigate in that. Now, a wholesale, the developer has now told you to call the representatives of the digital store and they're going to give you a refund. That is pretty much uncharted territory at this point. And it certainly sounds from what I've been reading that it was not handled well in this regard. Yeah, because I think that when CD Projekt originally said that, they had not talked to Sony or Microsoft about that. I I am of, of the same opinion that they announced to the player base that you're gonna you can just call and get a full refund before they actually had those negotiations with either digital store. Yes, I think that was a big failure. And I, I don't remember where I saw it, and I didn't put it in the agenda, but I remember seeing an article saying that Cyberpunk 2077 had the biggest digital launch ever, selling like over 10 million copies, which 80% of that's PC. Yeah, that came out nine hours ago on IGN. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm just, I, I know that because I opened IGN at the beginning of the show when you guys mentioned something else, and that's one of the headlines sitting there. Oh, okay. Uh, Super, <laughs> I Super didn't know. Data's Worldwide Digital Games Market Report for December 2020, Cyberpunk 2077 sold over 10.2 million digital copies with PC accounting for around 80% of those sales. This doesn't surprise me. Who wants to go into a GameStop or a Best Buy right now? But okay, uh, let me cut you off a second right. there. In that article, does it say, because I'm trying to find it right now, does it say if that's after the refunds or before the or are the, are the refunds are people who are playing uh, on PC super, aren't asking refunds. Super data notes that these estimates do include the digital copies that have been refunded, but that its data shows that refunds did not substantially affect the game's aggregate sales. Uh, quoting from the article, so that we you know just make sure we're attributing correctly. This is on IGN, written by Adam Bankhurst, updated today at 9.21 a.m. I'm assuming that's Pacific time. Um, you figure since, I mean, the digital side wouldn't be hurt that much by refunds because, like you said, 80% were PC copies, and the PC is, like, the just running version. Right. Yeah, I would be, and we're never going to know these numbers. I would be interested to know how many people actually took the offer for the refund. Um, and people need to remember... You log on to Reddit or you go to the game forums or you go to the Xbox forums or the PlayStation forums. What you're seeing there is the vocal minority of players. You're never, you're never interacting with the vast majority of players in those forums. So those forums very well could be, I haven't read them for Cyberpunk 2077, those forums could have been chock full of people demanding refunds and saying they're going to boycott and all that stuff you get but that doesn't mean that the entire player base is doing that absolutely quite quite a few people are going to put the game in the the console the the, the last gen consoles start it up it's going to be not good and they're just going to wait just going to put it on the shelf and move on and they may not even know to check the forums to know that they can get a refund right that's true. Um, so I'm guessing that the refund numbers are probably far less than any of us expect. I, I, I still laugh at the people that wanted the refund, but still expected to keep the game. Those people blew my mind. <laughs> what do you mean I got to give the game back? What? I don't just get my money back? No. Well, to, to your point, Jeff, I think 
Sony like negotiating with CD Projekt Red to take the game off the the store, the PlayStation Store, like that that would have to speak volumes about like Sony's basically like, okay, we're fielding so many calls, I, we don't want to deal with this anymore. Again, full on Jeff's opinion here. I don't get the feeling that Sony called CD Projekt Red and had a negotiation about it. That the way that all went down to me felt more like. Well, now CD Projekt Red has told a bunch of Sony owners that they can get a refund, and a bunch of Sony game owners started calling the Sony store asking for a refund, and the poor call reps hadn't been informed of this because Sony hadn't been informed of this, and so their their take on it is, is we don't do refunds on the Sony store. And then Sony was like, we need to do something because now everyone's blaming us because it looks like we're not following through when we had no idea what was going on. And Sony just made the the decision to just yank it off the store because they didn't like the bad press they were getting about not issuing refunds that their users were told they would give. Am it I- really feels, it, it feels to me like CD Projekt Red didn't tell them ahead of time what was happening. 100% my opinion. And Microsoft quickly followed suit by removing it off their store as well. Yeah. All right, so uh, just to bring it back in the into you know the original topic, what what is your overall opinion of the lawsuit? Like, because uh, just to give you a quick thing, uh, Alex is full on about the lawsuit. Uh, he feels like the investors uh, deserve this lawsuit. I I'm of the opinion that this file this lawsuit was filed just a little too quickly and didn't give Cyberpunk or CG Project Red enough time to rebound. How do you feel about these lawsuits? I was actually surprised to find out that CD Projekt Red had investors. I guess I shouldn't be, um, but I thought that they were entirely self-funded and that they were doing 2077 completely off of the back of The Witcher 3. Um, I've got a soft spot for CD Projekt Red in this because they've been... They've been kind of getting one toed with lawsuits the past couple of years, because let's not forget the original author of the Witcher series who sold it to them for a song over a decade ago, came at them about a year ago wanting more money because his IP was doing so well in their game world. And now there's a Netflix show coming out at the time, et cetera, et cetera. Now, those of us in the U.S. can just be like, well, that guy just needs to get bent because he sold it off. But copyright right copyright rulings and copyright laws aren't the same the world over. And and it turns out that in in Poland and in a lot of those Eastern European countries, copyright is something that if you sell your IP off, you actually can go back later on, depending on the success of it, and negotiate a bigger share of the pie. And so the author had some level of standing. And I guess they finally did they, there was some sort of out of court settlement where he did get a bigger piece of the pie. Great. Um, but you know, CD Projekt Red was paying high-priced lawyers through all of that. Correct. Um, so that was that was, and and there, I'm sure it tied up a lot of people in the company more at the executive level, not necessarily at the developer level. But now they're distracted and they're trying to get this game out the door. And this game, clearly, there's investors, and clearly, those investors have probably struck deals that say, "I'm going to invest this much money, and it's going to give me this percentage of sales, and the game is expected to be out on this date." It's the same. It's the same sort of thing as a publicly traded game developer, such as an EA or an Activision. It's just they're private investors instead of stockholders. Um, 
it's the company's fiduciary illegal and again this could be totally different in poland but it probably isn't that much in those instances it is the legal duty of the company to protect the fiduciary interests of the investors meaning we are now focused on making sure that they get their return on investment versus we are now focused on taking as long as necessary to get this game out the door and those are two competing problems that 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 don't necessarily mesh well with each other so i wouldn't again 100% my opinion i wouldn't be surprised if the investors push to have the game out at an arbitrary date because that date was written down at some point in time when people thought that this thing was just going to sail through and be easy to develop because we all make those mistakes and now the develop now the investors are like well you released the game early and it didn't do well so now we're going to exercise this other clause in the contract that says if the game doesn't meet sales expectations then you owe us this much money because of a golden parachute type of thing so it it somewhat feels to me like the investors are playing both sides against the middle but i haven't really read into it enough and i'm really not that interested in reading into it enough to come up with an actual opinion in that regard but that's how it feels to me all right alex and yield do you have anything you want to say about the second lawsuit mm, i mean no not really uh, as i've said before i mean jeff said it himself they have a responsibility to protect the the fiduciary like the 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 financiers the people who give them money like it is their job to do the best possible thing they can to protect that and i think the first lawsuit in particular was regards to hey you guys it seems like there was a lot of and even the company itself said that they were negligent with the release of the playstation 4 and, and xbox one versions and it seems like that lawsuit is at least grounded in hey you guys didn't take care of our money because you misled everybody that's what i read the first lawsuit to be and that's what's spawned our me and tricky kind of going at it head to head on the show about it yeah we we kind of got a little heated yield anything you want to say nope god bless you sir all right. So, uh, can I? I'm just going to finish this out with a quote from the ever prescient Shigeru Miyamoto. A delayed game is eventually good. A bad game is bad forever. It seems way too many developers and publishers don't take that to heart and they rush a game out before it's ready. Um, take the extra time and make it good and then you don't have these problems it's okay. money well spent it's not throwing good in, in most instances it's not throwing good money after bad um i always like to pair that quote with it was about four years ago now that i read this really interesting article from the head of activision global marketing which basically said it doesn't matter what you think about the game you throw as much money as you can behind marketing it because at some point you will you will hit the we're at least going to make our marketing money back so we, why not throw all the money we can at marketing it because that's a zero-sum game for us and it will drive sales and so many companies will put their games out for early review and get a bad review score back and then make the short-sighted thought process and conclusion of, well, we're going to slash the marketing budget because this game's not worth it. 
and that it turns out is the wrong take now granted cyberpunk 2077 i don't think they they skimped on the marketing budget whatsoever but take the time to make a good game good and then throw as much money as you possibly can behind marketing it it's the these are some foundational things that the industry needs to learn always work to your advantage Jeff, I, I know that you you said you were finished on that, but I, I did have one more question. It seems like with Cyberpunk that you know they delayed it a, a, more than a few times, and then eventually released the game, at least the the PlayStation Four and Xbox One versions before they were clearly you know should have been released. Is there ever a point for developers and publishers where you say we can't develop this, we can't delay this anymore, we just have to release it, and then like is there ever a pressure where you just like we have to release this even if it needs you know patches and whatever oh sure absolutely and i think it's a bigger pressure for uh publishers that are publicly owned because once you get into publicly traded on the stock market you are under so many sec rules about finances and accounting about you have to at the beginning of every financial quarter issue an estimate for what your profit or loss is going to be that quarter you become beholden essentially to the people playing the stock market and so if you say that you're going to release a game in a certain fiscal quarter, it's a very bad thing for you to then come back and at the end of that fiscal quarter in your conference call to your investors say, well, we didn't release that game. They're not going to care that you held it back because you're going to make it better. They're going to care that, well, we made, we made investment choices based on this and you didn't follow through. And so now our investment choices are at risk. Um, so yeah, that's always a constant, constant problem. Which is, is which is probably, and uh, again, this is just opinion, is probably why the lawsuit was filed in the first place is because they didn't get the return on the money that they thought they were going to get. Right, and and we don't know what those investors have done in terms of their entire portfolio. They may have pre-spent what they thought the profits were going to be investing in, in other things in the stock market. That That's information that we are unaware of. But it, it comes down to essentially that though. You, you told us this game was gonna come out this quarter and you made estimates to us when we signed this paperwork that this game was going to do at least this well and it didn't do that well. So now we have a problem with you. All right, let's move on to another topic because we're actually approaching the hour mark now. I'm going to uh, step away for just a second. I see that the stove has been left on. I'll be right back. Sure. Um, Activision has merged Blizzard and Vicarious Visions. Uh, Vicarious Visions, if you don't know, is the developer of Tony Hawk 1 and 2, Crash Bandicoot, Insane Trilogy, and much more. This article is coming from IGN and is written by Adam Bankhurst. As reported by GameIndustry.biz, the Vicarious Visions team of about 200 people will now be employees of Blizzard and are, quote, fully dedicated to existing Blizzard games and initiatives, end quote. This means Vicarious Visions will no longer be creating games as a lead developer. After collaborating with Vicarious Visions for some time and developing a great relationship, Blizzard realized there was an opportunity for them to provide long-term support. Uh, and quote a representative said to gamesindustry.biz however Activision Blizzard did not reveal what the team will or has been working on going forward Vicarious Vision studio head Jen O'Neill has been promoted to Blizzard executive vice pre president of development and will now be part of Blizzard's leadership team and report direct directly to the Blizzard president J. Allen Brack Alex one of your favorite games the insane trilogy 
uh, being absorbed into Blizzard. What's your thoughts and opinions on this? Well, Vicarious Visions, I think they said that they had been, they they were, I can't remember what year they were founded, but they were bought by Activision back in 2005, and they've been making, you know, very quietly, like, very, very good games for a long time, and Vicarious Visions has been one of the studios that's been really steady for, for Activision throughout all of this, so I'm surprised that they're, you know, essentially they're taking away, by merging them into Blizzard, they're taking away their basically their position as a lead development studio and you know, more like I guess it's a kind of a vote of confidence because saying hey you know we have a lot of great development teams here Toys for Bob did a really good job on Crash 4 but you know maybe they feel comfortable with the amount of development teams they have in house and then you know maybe they're just like hey you know you guys are one of our primo development teams we need you guys to go help Blizzard with you know whatever they're doing and I mean, I guess a vote of confidence for Vicarious Visions, but also for their own studios. So I mean, it's surprising that they're they're taking away their the, basically that they're not going to be heading up any games at least for the foreseeable future on their own because they have been such a quality studio. But uh, I mean, if if this is the best place for them, I mean, I guess you know Activision is pretty good at making money, so you would think that they generally make pretty good decisions when it comes to their bottom line. Well, coming from another article from uh, IGN and Adam Bakers, reportedly Vicarious Visions is being brought into Blizzard to work on a Diablo 2 remake. Which, I mean, I don't know. I guess Blizzard, you know, working on constant content for World of Warcraft and other projects they may have. If they, you know, has decided they were going to make a Diablo 2 remake, then just maybe they needed extra hands on deck and they needed the extra help. All right. Uh, Jeff, are you back? I am. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on Vicarious Visions being merged into Blizzard and then possibly working on a Diablo 2 remake? I'm, I'm still, this is all still kind of turning over in my head. At some level, it, I'm very sad about it because Vicarious Visions is a great name. It was a good studio. It's just ever since the Skylanders thing disappeared, they've kind of struggled to find their their foothold again. Uh, I just pulled up basically their discography, and since the last Skylanders shipped in 2016, the only thing on here is they, they worked on the Crash Bandicoot uh, Insane Trilogy, they worked on Destiny 2, and then they worked on the remake of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. So they haven't they haven't found their own IP yet, and they haven't found their own IP in almost half a decade, and that's a that's probably an issue for them. Now I don't know if that means that they've pushed a lot of ideas up to Activision, and Activision has shot them all down, or if they were just told at the 2016 timeframe you're no longer going to be making your own IP, you're going to be working as a support studio. Now, if that's the case, and there's certainly nothing wrong with being a support studio, a certain affinity in Texas has made a huge name for themselves and have worked on some really, really good games being a support studio for other developers. They're working on their own stuff now, but Halos and Call of Duties, there are so many big franchises where certain affinity has had a huge hand in it. And they're just kind of out there in the background doing that stuff. I, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. Is, are they pretty much like a blue point where they just remake other people's games? No, 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 no. They, they, they're a co-developer. Okay. Well, that's, that's how they started off. Many of the original Halo multiplayer maps were done by certain affinity, not by Bungie. Um, you know, it says here that that Vicarious Visions had a huge hand in Destiny 2. 
That's not that they did some sort of remake of Destiny 2 in 2017. They did. They took on a big chunk of making Destiny 2. We may not know exactly what that is, but that's what they did. And there is, there's a lot of studios out there that do that, that are, are sort of the, the kind of the helping hand studios. Um, it's unfortunate that it seems that for whatever reason, Activision doesn't think that maybe a Blizzard IP should be handed off to one of those studios. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is a Blizzard thing. Like all Blizzard games are made in house. They may still be stinging from the StarCraft Ghost issue of almost 20 years ago now, where that that game was going to be made by a third party, and I think three or four different third parties made a stab at it, and nothing was up to par. So may, maybe Blizzard doesn't like to have any any name on their game except their own. I don't know. Um, I think a Diablo 2 remake would be really good. It'd be a lot of fun. And I know that uh, Blizzard is being very open right now about the fact that they have this huge team on Diablo 4. I mean, heck, they got the gears of they got the gears of war guy. Uh, they got uh, Rod Ferguson to EP that uh, and jump ship and move to a different company. Um, so that's big. That's huge. You know, maybe they're going to be doing a StarCraft remake. I mean, they did StarCraft 2, and I guess they got it to completion from what they wanted with all three races and everything, but they've not made mention of a StarCraft 3. So having having a studio sort of fill in the back catalog from the rich history of Blizzard makes a lot of sense. Having to fold that company into Blizzard, that's where I start to uh, – it gets a little hazy in my mind. Um, I will I, I will lament the loss of Vicarious Visions. They were a studio that a lot of people looked up to back in the day. Well, Jeff, hearing you talk about it a little bit more makes makes me a little bit more sad because, <laughs> I mean, when it comes to Activision, I think of Raven Software and what happened to Raven Software, and that's just the first name that pops up. But while this isn't as bad as, like, a studio closing, and I guess even with a studio closing, like, they can disperse that talent throughout the, you know, mm-hmm. the other parts of the company, but... It seems like Vicarious Visions, even if these people are all keeping their jobs, which is, I mean, definitely a good thing, it's the studio is losing its identity. Like, all those people working together are losing their identity as Vicarious Visions, and that's that's not a good thing. Right, and the fact that they haven't had their own IP for... But, I mean, now that I look at it, Skylanders was kind of... They really were one of these support studios for a long time. I mean, we go all the way back to 96... They they've got like they've got a, a fishing game in '99. They've got Vigilante Eight in '99, but I don't think they were the main developer on Vigilante Eight. But then there's a Blues Clues. There's a SpongeBob. There's a Power Rangers game. Spider-Man Two, Monsters Inc., Star Wars Jedi Knight Two. I know that wasn't them alone. So they have always sort of been a support studio. There's a Doom. There's they did some work on Doom Three in 2005. Uh, they did some Guitar Hero stuff in 08 and 09 and uh, some Transformers stuff around 09 and 10 and Guitar Hero 5 and 09. So they, they kind of have, I guess, historically filled the same sort of niche that I was describing certain affinity to to fill. And then they hit their own home run, literally, with Skylanders. Skylanders was huge up until the point that we all stopped buying plastic tchotchkes. Um, hell, they they forced Disney to copy them and do Disney Infinity. Anytime you can force Disney to copy you, you're doing something right. But then they're right back to Crash Bandicoot, Destiny, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Maybe maybe this is a higher level thing. Maybe Activision doesn't want to be known as the publisher that has a support studio. Maybe Activision didn't 
maybe Activision wasn't able to find enough in-house work for them as a support studio. Because before Skylanders, they're probably all over the map in terms of publishers and developers they worked with. I don't know exactly when Activision bought them out. Probably sometime during the Skylanders time frame because they wanted that that Skylanders bag of cash. Um, Maybe there just wasn't enough what it's called as insourcing in Activision for them to remain an individual studio. So it just made sense to roll them up under Blizzard. And this is purely a procedural move. Um, it could be that what we're hearing now is something that actually happened a while ago without officially being announced, and everyone in Vicarious Visions already kind of realized that was going to happen. Um, I'm glad that there are no layoffs. I'm glad everyone working there appears to have kept their job, and there's worse things to do in life than to work on a Diablo 2 remake. All right. Yield? I was just in- I was just glad to hear all the different scenarios. I didn't think about the the possibility of them, you know, of 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 support studios and them kind of just, you know, becoming a part of Blizzard. I was fascinated by all that. All right, let's do our first ad of the show since we haven't done any ads. This portion of the show is brought to you by Amazon. If you could and would, please stop by Proven Gamer first and click on any Amazon link and continue with your normal shopping. It doesn't cost you anything extra and helps out the site tremendously. All right. So we had two topics of the week, so I'm going to save one for next week uh, when uh, we're going to have another special guest on the show. Uh, But this topic of the week is coming from Matt Perslow over at IGN. Sony's new San Diego team is working on, quote, existing franchises. Uh, So PlayStation's new, okay, uh, according to the LinkedIn profile of a studio's former head, Michael Mumbauer worked at PlayStation as studio head until November 2020. In the segment of his profile detailing his work with the new San Diego team, Mumbauer writes, quote, his latest achievement has been Having built a brand new all-star AAA action-adventure development team for PlayStation based in San Diego and utilizing proprietary engine technology, this team was assembled to expand upon existing franchises and craft all new stories for the next generation of gamers, end quote. As to what existing franchises it could be, there have been rumors for a while that PlayStation has been working on a partnership with Naughty Dog to continue the Uncharted series. Nothing official available has been. Uh, nothing official is available to confirm as of the v- development team is working on an Uncharted game. But there's an unusual and interesting wrinkle. In the feature section of his profile, between the videos of a keynote presentation and just GDC talk from him, there's a video from YouTuber Robin Gaiman about Sony, quote, secretly creating a studio to make Uncharted 5. The feature section of the LinkedIn profile is filled in by the profile owner themselves, so this Uncharted 5 theory video has been purposely placed there by Mumbauer. This, of course, means by... This, of course, by no means fi- means an official confirmation of the rumor, but is an interesting detail all the same. Uh, and just so there's no confusion, this is not the same San Diego studio that was behind MLB The Show. This is an entirely new uh, studio. So, Yield, I'm going to go to you first. Does this mean we are getting an Uncharted 5? God, I hope not. <laughs> are you done with the Uncharted series? Um, for a while, yeah. I mean, you know, like we've said on the show before, three was the 
perfect ending four you didn't really need uh it was but they still wrapped everything up and i i liked the pirate theme but i no i'm i'm good i don't need any more if you do uncharted games you could see they they went with the chloe story arc um lost legacy yeah lost legacy you if you do it do like something totally different just maybe under an uncharted name but to me you know nate elena sully they're they've had their moment they're 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 retired now so i'm i'm with yield and i i love the uncharted franchise but I think that it needs to be allowed to lay dormant for a long time. I thought Uncharted 3 was a fantastic ending. And even though, you know, as Yield said, Uncharted 4 was unnecessary, it wrapped up everything really, really well, but also introduced a new avenue for them to continue the series. Uh, I won't spoil anything if you haven't finished the game. But, I mean, there's a movie coming out starring Tom Holland. Uh, you know, if we see that within the next year or two years, who knows? I think it most re- it was reportedly delayed recently, but I mean, we had it's been a while since Uncharted Four, but with this new movie, like it helps keep Uncharted fresh in people's minds. So I'd say let the franchise lay dormant, and then if you want to continue where Uncharted Four kind of like the little opening that that left you, continue that maybe two, three, four, five years down the road. But let let the let the franchise sit as it is, and then just let the movie come out and let people enjoy that, and let that be the Uncharted franchise for now. Because if they're if we're talking an action adventure game, that obviously takes out Twisted Metal, that takes out stuff like Sly Cooper and Jack and Daxter. I don't think Siphon Filter. I don't think that's going to mean Siphon Filter either. So Motorstorm's not coming back. You just broke Yield's heart, by the way. He already knows it's yeah. not coming soon. It's not. Yeah. He's he's prepped after so many E3s of it <laughs> of, of it coming and going and, and nothing on on that front. Yeah, but he's, that's not going to stop him come June. He's going to predict it again. Absolutely. But when you think about Sony's studios and the games they have made or they're making like resistance fall of man this is not a new entry in that if it's an action adventure game so what what really else could it be besides uncharted but i i I like yield like i'm a huge fan of uncharted i just wish they would kind of leave that franchise alone and and i'm with you too because i i'm I, I, it'd be interesting to see the Uncharted franchise go in a different direction like they did with uh, Chloe and Nadine. But there's something to me because, you know, I just... I, I got that weird thing. Like, see the, to see the Uncharted series move on without Nate, would to me, would be a disservice. So, as much as well, I... I don't necessarily have to focus on him because they, in fact, introduced somebody else who could take up that mantle. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Totally new totally new group of people you're following. You don't reference anything to the original four games because then... Well, you, you know start, they can't not do that. Murky. No, they, 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 have, they have to. I know you can't, but then you start getting murky, and then you start getting people that want to fill in the gaps. And if you got if you got a different studio doing it, it just it can all go bonkers. As as Sully gets older, there's only so many times that I can believe that he can win fist fight after fist fight in a bar. All know? right. Well, all right. This this idea just popped in my head. What if this game is being made to coincide with the movie? You just hit the nail on the head. Oh, gosh, those are never good. They're not. Well, and maybe not coincide, but think of it this way. 
We have four Uncharted games. They run on the last generation platform. We have a movie coming out with Spider-Man in it. We need to capitalize on this. This could expose Uncharted to a lot of people that don't know about it that may want to run right out and buy a PlayStation 5. We better have an Uncharted game ready for them. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be a game that tracks with the movie, but Sony's it would be a dumb move in my estimation for Sony not to have a current gen Uncharted game on the shelf ready to go when that movie hits. Because if they don't, they're leaving money on the table. And, and, so, ba- and but, ba- but since Tom Holland is a younger guy, and you would assume a younger version of Nate, is it Uncharted Five, or do we a, do we do a prequel that happens before free, the free, first Uncharted? You just free call it Uncharted. Ab- free Golden Abyss. Oh well, okay. I could do that. As, as, as I think you guys are reading into this a bunch of stuff about trying to tie it into your fandom from Uncharted, and I think Sony would be smart to not do that. It doesn't get a number after it, and it doesn't necessarily fit within the existing Uncharted timeline. I mean, you no one is going to sit out there and say that other things haven't happened in the universe of Uncharted, even with Nathan Drake, outside of the four stories that have been told. There's a lot of... You, you can retcon in whatever story you want in any story universe you want. Novelists do it all the time. Games do it all the time. I mean, I work for a company that at the end of the fourth installment of the game, we blew the flip and plant it up. That's a hard thing to write yourself out of in terms of corners, right? <laughs> um, that's, but it can be done. Um, so you have a game on the shelf called Uncharted with a graphic design of the logo that very closely mimics the graphic design of the logo of the movie. And it has the same game loop that we're used to with an Uncharted, says someone who only played it for about four hours once. Um, that follows the idea of what a main character does in terms of a game loop in the movie, but doesn't necessarily track the story of the movie, we hope. Um, and you have that ready to go. And also, is it, a, is it a reboot? Not necessarily. Is it another Uncharted story? Yes. Does it fit within the, the other four Uncharted's? Who knows? And, it, and it's worth noting uh, that it has been confirmed that Tom Holland is playing a young Nathan Drake. Yes. So it's very much possible that this is a prequel of some sorts. Yeah, it could it could be it could be Uncharted Zero. I mean, that would be a smart move in Zony's part. Get a bunch of new people hooked on Uncharted Zero and then have Uncharted One through Four remastered for the PlayStation Five and sell them all over again. That's not Money a bad idea. That would be, be an extremely smart move. <laughs> that's yeah, it's not a bad idea at all. Because uh, we also know that Naughty Dog right now is uh, confirmed to be working on the Factions version of The Last of Us 2, the multiplayer right. version. And, and they don't have Amy Henning anymore. Well, they didn't have her for 4 either. That's she, true. That's true. Or she, she wasn't there for 3, was she? No, she was there no, for 3. Know, she she left halfway through three, 4. 4 was basically done, and they kicked her out and redid it. Did they kick her out, or did she get a better offer to work on thirteen thirteen, and then that went nowhere? The the rumor is, is that they kicked her out. Okay. That uh, the the rumor is, and again, this is rumor, that her and Neil Druckmann were button heads, and the studio chose to uh, side with Neil Druckmann over Amy Hennon. That's the rumor. 
All right. With that being said, uh, we are going to move on to our listener questions. So, Yield, here you go, buddy. Time to check my social media, yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's not going away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just so you know, Jeff, there was a, somebody wrote in and told us to stop playing that sound bite because it's extremely annoying. No, it's not. <laughs> That's what we See, like. I have another fan. <laughs> All right. So uh, even though I put a post out there uh, for people to leave questions, uh, Homer decided to make two separate posts. So his first question is, what has been your favorite five games from the last two consoles, meaning five from the PlayStation 4 era and five from the PS3 era? Uh, I'm just going to shorten that down, Homer, just because we're running a little long on time. Uh, to uh, Let's just name five games total, not five each. That's too hard for me. I went back and looked through all my trophies, and I picked out ten. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I can come through five on the fly, man. <laughs> Well, well, here, let me. I'll go first since I've got a list here, and then maybe that'll jar some memories. So I'd say my five for the PlayStation 3 would be Bioshock Infinite, Ratchet and Clank, A Crack in Time, Dead Space 2, The Last of Us, and Castle Crashers. And then my PS4 games would be Ghost of Tsushima, Horizon Zero Dawn, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, Rocket League, and Until Dawn. All right, Jeff, I'm just going to answer for you to say Uncharted since that's the only PlayStation game you played. Oh no! I was gonna. I was gonna say uh, as I look up on my wall above my computer: Red Faction, Gorilla, Saints Row Two, Saints Row Three, Saints Row Four, and Age of the Mayhem. Awesome answers. Yield. There you go. Uh, Uncharted Two, Last of Us, and those are the only two I can pull off the top of my head from old generation. Ghost of Tsushima. That's that. Oh yeah. Okay. That's technically last last gen too. Yeah. Infamous, even though everybody I love wasn't infamous cool, wasn't cool on the drawing of it. I loved it. I love the comic book feel. I I loved infamous. I, I I'm hoping they make it, another one. It, it, if I had more time to prep, I'd have a better list. But off the top of my head, man, I don't know. All right, well, I'll, I'll go with those. That's it. I'm done. Uh, mine obviously. That's why Homer asked the question hours ago was so you could prep. Well, I don't. I don't live on Facebook, man. No, but you know, Sundays you should pop on like hours before the show just to see what the questions are. Uh, my answers are going to be the God of War series, obviously. Uh, even even the last, uh, most importantly, the last one, which I think was the best of the series. Uh, obviously, you guys know the Last of Us is uh, you know my number one favorite game of all time. Even though right now I think there might be some competition. Uh, I think I like Immortals a little bit more than The Last of Us, which is shocking. But that's, uh, well, technically that's Last Gen 2, so I can answer that. Uh, Infamous series, and uh, I'm surprised none of you guys said the Sly Cooper series. I mean, I do love Sly Cooper, but if I'm going to have to pick between Ratchet and Clank and Sly Cooper, I'm picking Ratchet. Ratchet and Clank every every time. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes, Sly Cooper is a close (laughs) second, but Ratchet and Clank. Oh. oh, speaking of Ratchet and Clank, we were talking about the Uncharted movie. Uh, them doing the Ratchet and Clank movie uh, alongside with the game was not didn't turn out too bad for them. I mean, obviously the movie bombed because nobody would see it, but the game did pretty good. It was pretty good. There was a Ratchet and Clank movie? Yes. Huh. It was available on Netflix, too. So, I mean, it, oh. it, it may still be there. You can watch it on Netflix. 
Well, I've, I've got to finish binging Stargate SG-1 for a friend of mine. All right. So, uh, Jeff, who is on the show, uh, left a question in the thread. Uh, Jeff says, why is Control just a reskinned Banjo and Kazooie? It's Banjo-Kazooie. There's yeah. no and. Yeah, there's, it's Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, Banjo. Banjo oh, sorry. Banjo-Kazooie. Hot take. It's a third-person action platformer where you collect items. Control is Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> Which sounds fucking great because I love Banjo Kazooie, right? And there's even a seat. There's even a, a, a lone individual who's sort of pulling the strings behind the scenes in all of this. Mumbo Jumbo. Well, I haven't finished Control yet, so don't spoil it for me. Well, yeah, I hate to tell you this, but Mumbo Jumbo is not in Control. I know that. <laughs> now, just, does, does Control have a map that looks like a, a, a male genitalia from top down? No one knows right now. Banjo-Kazooie does. Oh, that would be awesome if it did. The parallels would be mind-blowing. Right? Uh, all right. So, uh, I'm just trying to go through this. and then So, you're telling me I can get New Age Banjo-Kazooie on my PlayStation? That's what I, you're telling me. That, that's what he's telling you. Yeah. You may have just sold a copy of Control. <laughs> all <laughs> right. And Homer uh, has another question. If you could only have one retro console, we'll say PS2 era and prior, for the rest of your gaming days, which console would you choose and why? I would say the Super Nintendo. As much as I love the game libraries for libraries, libraries for the PlayStation 2 and the 3 and the 4, I think that you know a lot of those games in that I played on those consoles. I play them once, and it's like, hey, they're they're not easy to come back to because there is so much involved with playing through through them. But you back to the SNES, which still looks fantastic to this day. I love the visual of that console. You got a lot of games like Mega Man X, Super Punch Out, even Super Mario World. A lot of games, Donkey Kong Country, shit, I can name a ton that Fox. I could play over and over again. And because of my fondness for like the visual style of that console and just a lot of the games and how I could replay you know a lot of them till the day I die, I gotta go with the SNES. Jeff, GameCube. Oh, you well, you did answer the thing. All right, so uh... yeah, I could I could play Super Monkey Ball, XG3, and Mario Kart Double Dash with friends until the day I die. All right, yield. Well, hold on, but Jeff, that don't means forget, you have don't access forget to Wind I realize that. I would be willing to give Sea of Thieves up for Super Monkey Ball. It's not even a fair trade. Really? Oh, Super Monkey Ball is zen. <laughs> I don't know. The way you talk about Sea of Thieves, though. Super Monkey Ball is zen. All right. Yield? Uh, NES. Uh, and I am going to say, yeah, the NES. Is there I a particular NES game or games that... that draw you to that console or anything else? I mean, I, for, for me, my answer has always been because there was just one system. So you've got an entire library of games. Well, all the Sega fanboys just cried out in terror at you saying there was one system. Yeah, and I was just saying, and the Atari was actually pretty relevant back then at that time, too. No, I, the 2600 no. fallen out of favor by the NES days. You think yeah. so? The NES brought us back from the crash that the Atari created. Yeah. All right. Maybe maybe I'm just uh, misremembering because when I grew up, I was a big Atari guy. Maybe. Yeah, but then the but then ET on the Atari happened, and 
I mean, it wasn't only that, but that was kind of like the final straw. Yes. And the Atari's, Atari's coming back, by the way. Yeah, right. They're making casinos. Um, we did just all four of us say that the one console we would have over all others between now and the time that we pass from this earth is a Nintendo console. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. All right. So, uh, reader or watcher or whatever you want to call it, Facebook fans, Levi Thomas says the Dreamcast, which Homer then laughed at him and this is, oh, you being serious. Levi says, oh, when's the last time you carried an ass whooping? Uh, and then Homer says, in all seriousness, though I've never played a Dreamcast, I have no idea what kind of gaming experience it offers. Uh, choo choo pocket. Powerstone. If no one's ever seen gameplay of Choo Choo Rocket, it is... It's like methamphetamine expressed as pixels. Hey, we know all about that here in Middle, middle America. Right. All right. Uh, Jeff responded with GameCube, obviously, and just explained his answer. And uh, David Bray left a comment saying, OG Xbox, because they had all of the uh, uh, Star Wars games... And which Jeff then replied, saying, also, also the original Mercenaries, which is so much better than the sequel, and Crimson Skies, and he gives a chef kiss. Well, Crimson Skies is an amazing game. Mercenaries would be a good game to bring back. Not going to lie. You got the, the original one, not the second one. Well, yeah, yeah, the original one, absolutely, but... I, if I remember correctly, you got the Platinum in Mercenaries 2, didn't you? Or was that, was that Donnie? That's me. Well, I don't know. Donnie may have, but I, I did, yeah. No, I, ju I just remember somebody on the show uh, making a big deal of it. I, I thought it was you. Yeah, it was me. And I've also got the... Well, no, they didn't have a trophy for Mercenary. But I also got it for uh, Saboteur. They made good games, man. I'm trying oh. to the blank of who did it. But. Sab uh, uh, Pandemic did those. Pandemic, yeah. They made good before, games. I before really they got... Before John Riccatello bought them and then became the board of EA and then paid himself back for buying Pandemic. Saboteur was underappreciated. It wasn't great, but it was still a really good game. But it, it, was, it was good. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and close out the show. But before we do, we got to run one more ad. If you're looking for additional ways to support us, you can always stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash ProvenGamer. No matter what tier you decide to support us at, know that it helps pay the bills and is greatly appreciated. And it's the only way to get the newest podcast, Tricky Thoughts, where Tricky sits down and discusses current events, social issues, and much more. All right, let's close out the show with some shout-outs. Jeff, I'm going to start with you, sir. Uh, it is Girl Scout cookie season. Buy your Thin Mints, everybody. Do you, do you know? Uh, do you, do you have a hookup? Because I don't buy them. Buy them local. Yeah, my daughter's no longer <laughs> my daughter's no longer a Girl Scout, so I need a hookup. <laughs> yeah, me too. She's not. No, she when she checked to school, she was no longer part of the troop, and then the new school didn't establish a, uh, a troop because they were a charter school, and they don't allow that type of thing. They don't allow cookies. They don't. Well, the the original Girl Scout troop she was in was they had their meetings at the school. When right. when the charter school, when she went to a charter school, they didn't allow Girl Scouts to have the meetings at the school. And I I don't know if you guys know what charter schools are, but it's like 
kids come from out of zone. So nobody really lived local. So there was like no central location for them to all to go to. So no troop was ever established. Yep. My, uh, the troop, my, both of my daughters, uh, while my oldest was in and my youngest is in, uh, took the offer and got assumed into the Boy Scouts. So they don't do cookies. Yeah, they do popcorn, right? Uh, I guess. I don't. I mean, Boy Scouts do popcorn um, for sure. But yeah, I don't have a Thin Mint hookup this year, and it's kind of rough. I mean, I, I know somebody. I could reach out to the the old Girl Scout troop, and you know, they you could order them online. But the shipping costs are freaking astronomical. Yeah. I'll just I'll just go to the local Wally World or grocery store and get my hookup there. Yeah. You know what the you know what the smart troops do here in Illinois? What's that? They set up outside the pot dispensaries. Mm-hmm. They they do that here. Genius move. They, they I I I told my daughter one time I was like I'll bring her to the local college on like a Friday Saturday night and just let yep. her sit outside. Yep, colleges and now the uh, now the the dispensaries. That's a good way to get your hook up <laughs> and your sales. All right. Uh, I'm sorry, we got distracted. Jeffrey, you don't do shout outs. <laughs> I am. I am. All buy, right. Buy your thin mints, everybody. Yield your shout out, sir. Shout out to Professor Steve. Shout out to uh, Harry Balzania and Prepare to Die Your Scum for hanging out and playing some Just Cause 4. Shout out to Tricky and Alex for recording tonight. Shout out to Jeff for stopping his control binge and to come talk with us tonight. Oh, you're welcome. And lastly, shout out to you, all the pimps and the madams of the whoredom, giving us questions, downloading, interacting. Don't forget oh, Nitro. And, and, and a shout out to Nitro for trolling Tricky. That's always funny. <laughs> Alex, your shout out, sir. Give a shout out to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire this trip yours. Thank you all for, for continuing to support us because without you all, we wouldn't be able to expand our influence outward and upward. And yeah, we just we know how precious time is, and that there's tons of content everywhere to consume. And we just appreciate you spend time with us every week. Give a shout out to Tricky and to Yield for recording, and also to Yield for carrying us on Rocket League Thursdays again. If you got some free time on Thursday or just playing some games and you want to have something going on in the background, we do stream our Rocket League games on Thursdays starting at seven on Twitch.tv backslash Proven Gamer. Shout out to Jeff for coming on. Actually, I didn't know that Jeff was coming on the show until I turned on Skype. And actually, no, I had already turned on Skype, left the computer, and then came back, and Jeff was just sitting there. So it was quite a nice surprise, especially with uh, how much knowledge Jeff brings as an insider to the to the industry. And I know we've been having we've been wanting for months now to ask him questions about the CD Project Red situation. So thank you, Jeff, for uh, giving your honest opinion about that and just coming on and sharing some knowledge with us. You're welcome. I didn't know I was coming on until between the time you logged in and when you came back. Because Tricky honestly saw my Facebook post about I was just going to be drinking sake and playing Control. And he's like, you you could come on the show instead. You know what he did, Jeff, is he pulled some of that CD Projekt Red Witcher magic that they needed for CD or they needed for uh, Cyberpunk was just he pulled it together at the last minute. You know, another hot take for me. The Witcher 3 is better than Skyrim in every regard. Ooh. Oh, shots fired! That's gonna be some fight words with Homer. In all honesty, I don't. With how people talk about The Witcher and how much people enjoy that series, I don't think that's really that much of a hot take, or as much of a hot take as you think it is. I think a lot of people will back you on that. Uh, yeah. You you want a nice hot take? 
I have never played Skyrim, nor will I ever. That makes two of us. Uh, I want to give a shout out to. Oh, hold on, Tricky. I got it. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving girlfriend Ashley. Uh, thank you for another delicious dinner, honey. And uh, yeah, love you. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to the goddess uh, who is standing by to make me my delicious Sunday dinner. Uh, it, it is a, I'm very grateful to her that she has the patience to wait until we're done recording every week to cook dinner when I know she's tired and wants to go to sleep. Did shout you out! Order a, you a triple baconator from Whitney's? I don't eat a baconator. I don't. Is that because of the bacon? Uh, yeah, I I'm very picky about my bacon. I don't let anybody cook my bacon outside of my house because they always burn it. Boy, you're nope. shit talking Wendy's there quite a bit. You're weird, man. Bacon. I mean, unless it's like black bacon, bacon. No, no, it's black. Like crunch black. Like I'm tasting coal black. It sounds like you had one traumatic experience in you. Never yeah, ready to come I, back from it. Listen, when it comes to bacon, uh, you get one shot. You, you, you fuck up. I'm done with you. Uh shout out to now. You see now, maybe curse going into the shout out for my daughter. Uh, shout out to Sweet Mama D, who uh, Daddy loves you very much. Shout out to Nitro for just being there and being a good friend through all of the bullshit that's happening lately. Uh, shout out to the listeners. Thank you very much. And if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. Bye. Bye. Later. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.